This is episode 194 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life. Today's articles are Best Prepper Recipe Ideas, What to Do with Stockpiled Food, and This is What a Pre-Crash Market Looks Like. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. I received uh, an email from David, and uh, he says, Hey, Todd, I just wanted to drop you a line and let you know that I enjoy your podcast. I listen to all of them and really do enjoy it. I listen on TuneIn Radio, the best free app ever, in my opinion. I can't really give you a rating on the app, but if I could, it would be five stars. Thank you for your hard work and time you spend doing it. Keep up the good work. So, David, uh, I did respond to David on email, but I just wanted to say, hey, thanks for uh, uh, thanks for sending that email in. It does does mean a lot, and uh, thanks for listening on TuneIn. I know there's a lot of different uh, podcast networks out there that carry carry the website. And some, you know, a lot of the times you you submit your your podcast, but then there's a lot of them out there that I found the podcast on that I never submitted to, so I don't. I guess they just pick up from other places, or maybe they, they pick up from iTunes or, or whatever. Uh, but uh, that's cool. I, I'm glad that there's a lot of people out there and listening on different uh, podcast networks. If you are on iTunes, I do appreciate uh, a review. That always helps out. But totally, I just, uh, I'm just i glad people are listening and finding the podcast very, very useful. Hey, uh, this is Thanksgiving break for me. Uh, you know, a lot of you know that I work in the school district, and and although I'm not on the campus, I still have uh, my my contract is kind of like a campus a campus contract, and so I do get off this week, so I get to do a little bit more uh, uh, fun stuff as far as the website goes, and and uh, looking at the you know different things that I, I want to kind of clean up, and maybe some things behind the scenes that you don't always uh, or you won't always uh, see. Uh, but one thing that I am doing is on Tuesday, November 21st. So uh, this is the Mon- Monday podcast. If you're listening to it on Monday, it'll be tomorrow. The Tuesday podcast, uh, I'm sorry, Tuesday, November 21st at 7 p.m. Central Time. I'm going to be doing a, a Facebook Live. And uh, I, I guess it would be kind of like a webinar, but not really. It's more like an informational video. And uh, kind of started out where I was just going to share my, my kit, uh, my, my favorite EDC kit. But then as I started thinking about it and processing it, I started thinking about, hey, look, how can we make this to where, um, you know, I can talk a little bit about building an effective EDC, uh, everyday carry kit. And so that's kind of what it has, uh, and, you know, moved into, evolved into that. And uh, so I'm kind of looking forward to it. I was playing around with some software. I, I didn't really get to, uh, to uh, get successful at it, but uh, I do have some software that's available to me from school. To where I, or from the from the, the district where I can uh, go to Facebook Live and also share si- slides out. I, there's a new there's a new feature on Facebook Live that I've noticed where you can share your screen out. I don't know if that how that works or not. I might try that out beforehand. And so if you're on the Facebook page, uh, you can you know maybe you'll see me on there just practicing or playing around a little bit. Um, uh, so we'll, you know, we'll, I am doing it on the Facebook page and not on the Facebook group. I, I promote the Facebook group a lot on the podcast because I think it's a great place to go and and show up and learn and be a part of of something. And I try to make it a place where you know no one's going to uh, you know make fun or be sarcastic or well, I don't want to say sarcasm. Sarcasm is 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 is, is okay. You know, it's fun. But, you know, where they start ripping into other people. Someone asks a question and other people are just like, I can't believe you don't know that you're stupid, you know, whatever. Yeah, everyone starts somewhere. That's the thing. Everyone starts preparing somewhere. And so I really want it to be a place where you can go and ask questions. I know there's a lot of people that lurk out there and um, a lot, a lot of people that lurk. And that's fine. You know, maybe you, you lurk until you feel a little bit more comfortable. And uh, maybe you can chime in and, and share some information or uh you know, just, uh, you know, like or whatever, whatever it is, you know, where you feel comfortable. But uh, I do want it to be a place where people can feel free to learn and uh, to grow in their preparedness. And so I don't want people to join the Facebook group just to see the Facebook live. So uh, that's why I'm doing it on the Facebook page. Uh, so if you haven't liked that, um, come over to, uh, you know, 
well, I guess I need to go ahead and, and provide a link. I provide, I'm starting to provide a link to the Facebook group on, um, on the sh in the show notes. So if you, if you get the show notes, you can go ahead and link directly to it. But I'm also going to provide a link to the page so that way you can, uh, the Facebook page, so you can go like that one too. And uh, I think when you like it, you should be notified when I go live. Like if you're on Facebook at that time, you should be notified. But uh, I'm also going to send an email out to uh, the email list and just uh, remind people, let them know that that is going on. So, uh, all right. Hey, and, and speaking about kits and, and all that kind of stuff, I know this is the Thanksgiving break and I know a lot of people are going to be traveling. Some of y'all might be already traveling or you're, you're going to be traveling this week. And make sure you stay safe out there. You know, make sure that you, uh, if you're traveling in an area where, where it's uh, winter weather, you know, down here in Houston, it is still, uh, it's, we had a little cool front, but it is still warm. I mean, it's like we're going to be in shorts for Thanksgiving. And uh, I don't know, if it continues on, we might be in shorts for Christmas too. And we've had Christmases like that down here. Um, and that was one of the things we talked about today in church when we had family day and we just kind of sat, sat around and talked and we talked about how unseasonably warm it's been uh, here. And so, uh, but I know that a lot of you are up north and you're starting to get some winter weather. So if, when you're traveling and you're, if you're traveling in your vehicles, make sure that you have winter weather gear supplies in your car. Uh, you want to make sure that you, you know, you have, you know, some blankets, some food, some water, uh, you know, those kinds of things. Even we've talked about in the past, little stoves, you know, you know, little things that you can make. If you, for whatever reason, got stuck, you can light it and, and heat up a vehicle really, really quickly. And um, we've talked about that in the past. Uh, and, uh, you know, make sure you have a first aid kit. And then the other thing is make sure you tell your family the route that you're taking. So like if you're going to a family member, it's like, hey, I'm going to go down I whatever and, you know, we're going to go this way. We're going to go this way. And, and that way uh, they know for whatever reason, if there is a problem, they know they can backtrack and, and try to find you. That's one of the, the biggest issues there is just letting people know your route and which way you're going. If, uh, if you're doing a, you know, if you're using Google Maps or you're using, you send that map maybe to a family member just so they know. And, uh, I think that's always very, very useful bit of advice. And a lot of the times when you listen to or you read about survival stories, um, you know, people got lost and they never told people how they were going or, you know, which way they were going or they made a turn that was, was not, uh, a usual turn. Uh, trying to cut some corners and, and they wind up getting lost and spending a lot of time out in, uh, you know, uh, in the wild, right? Or, you know, in the, in the winter weather. So, uh, I think that's always a good, good thing to do. All right. So, uh, we have a couple of articles here. I think they're really good ones. Uh, the first one is comes to us from backdoorsurvival.com and it's entitled Best Prepper Recipe Ideas What to Do with Stockpiled Food. And I think that's one of the things that we always need to, to consider. In fact, I wish there were some more articles like this. And I know that in the past I have linked to articles. Uh, you can buy, um, buy books. I know Daisy Luther has one. Uh, Tess Pennington of Ready, Ready Nutrition has one where uh, they talk about stockpiled foods and what you can do. Um, and uh, Tess, I, re I, I haven't looked at Daisy's, but I have looked at Tess's. I did a review on that one. And uh, I might link to that one in the show notes. Uh, I'll link to the review so you can go check out the review. And then there's a link to Amazon from there if you're interested in that. But a lot of the times we stockpile food and we stockpile it because maybe we read somewhere or we know that we should do it. or But we don't always cook with that kind of food or we don't know all the different things that we can do with it. And we get kind of, uh, you know, it's like, hey, rice and beans and beans and rice and that's what we're going to eat. Well, articles like this, I think, are very helpful. They're the kind that you want to go maybe uh, print out and uh, not only just print out and, and put it away somewhere, but even practice with these kinds of things. So a lot of people will recommend that you, uh, you practice with your stored food and you rotate that out just like you would rotate cans in your pantry. Rotate your stored food out as well and uh, so you can practice with it and uh, practicing uh, or practice, you know, cooking from scratch and using dried goods and and uh, get good at that so when you don't uh when you do need it you're not you know trying to learn you know you you're going to have a lot of other things going on you want to be able to do it and 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 move on you don't want to be uh, on a learning 
on a learning curve when things are in crisis mode. So this article is good. There's a little bit of information here. And then there's some actual recipes. And like I said, maybe one that you might want to go print off. So let's go ahead and start on this one. Again, best prepper recipe ideas, what to do with stockpiled food. What are you going to do with all that rice and beans and other prepper foods that you have put back? This is a question that I think is important to address. A lot of foods all of us have in quantity are pretty plain. The good news is that you can do a lot with some plain foods used creatively and some spices. Good food can drastically improve morale during hard times. You can actually make some fairly believable copies of dishes you love to eat. It can take some time to get used to cooking with ingredients that are dry or well-preserved rather than fresh. You may want to take some recipes and practice them or get creative and invent your own. Those on limited diets should be thinking about what recipes will suit their needs. Basically anything I have listed below could be done as a low sodium dish or gluten free if you have prepped with low salt foods or gluten free flours and pastas. A lot of these dishes could also be utilized in a diabetic diet. This article is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to what can be done with a well stocked stash of prepper foods. Using that train of thought, I want to say before we get started that while some of these ideas and recipes have measurements, a lot are just ingredient lists and basic instructions for preparing. This is not rocket science. You can really just throw some meat, veggies, and spices in a pot and add some water, boil, and eat. While I hope this article does is get you thinking about food combinations, that will get you through tough times and make those that are just starting out with cooking realize that you don't always have to measure everything down to the tablespoon. I have concentrated on hearty and comfort, comfort food dishes that offer a lot of nutrition, are filling, and do not require a million pots and pans and prep dishes to accomplish. A lot of the recipes that I have included can be done in one or two pots at most. First one is basic stew. You need dried or canned meat, vegetables, cornstarch, or flour for thickening, spices, and water or broth. Combine in pot and simmer until everything is tender and hydrated. Thicken if desired and add seasoning. Serve over rice or other grain and this dish will go further. So breads. Making bread is not as hard as you might think. Getting used to doing it in a Dutch oven or solar oven is different but totally doable. I think the solar oven would be much easier to regulate the temperature and prevent burning, but if you are cooking on a wood stove or hearth, then you can still do it, but you will have to pay more attention during cooking times. And I'd just like to remind you, as a little side note here, people cook that way for forever, you know, uh, cooking on hearth and, and uh, on wood stoves. All right, moving on. Uh, bread may seem like a challenge to new cooks, but it is actually not that hard to make. I recommend the book Artisan Bread in 5 Minutes a Day for those just starting out. In no time at all, you will find that you are able to just feel the dough and know it's right. Bread, Meat, and Cheese Loaf I learned this recipe from my mother-in-law who actually taught me all the basics of making bread. While I use typical from-the-store ingredients for it, usually the prepper dried food version can feed a lot of people and satisfy hearty appetites. This is a very versatile recipe and you could easily substitute the cheese for some other gravy filling or similar. Any bread recipe will work. You might want to make your dough a little drier than usual if your filling, fillings are very wet. Here is a basic bread recipe but I encourage you to try others or add seasonings to the mix if desired. Three and a half cups of flour, one and a half teaspoons of salt, two and a Two or two to half, sorry, two to two and a half tablespoons of yeast, ten ounces of liquid. Put dry ingredients in a bowl and sift through. Add liquid and kneaded for five to ten minutes. Let and knead it for five to ten minutes. Let dough rise in bowl covered for at least ten minutes. You can wait a few hours even if you get distracted. Knead again for five minutes. At this point, you can leave your dough until later or you can shape or roll it out and fill it in and let it rise for 30 minutes to an hour before baking. With bread, you are dealing with something that is alive until baked. Bread dough can set all day and still be fine so long as there are no insects around. Under colder conditions, you may need to add some heat during rise times. Hey, I do want to uh, add really quickly before I go on that there are... Um, in the comments, you know, there was uh, some comments that questioned um, the actual ingredients, like the the number, the list, and in the actual amounts. 
and uh, so they corrected those in the comments, and I believe they corrected it in the in the the article as well. I'm not 100% sure. So if you're looking at that, you'll want to take that into consideration. You might want to correct it uh, on the um, uh, on if you print it out. You might want to correct it on your printout. But I think they did correct them. So I just wanted to just to let you know that. All right. So continuing on uh, to make this loaf or pocket. So roll out your dough into squares. You can make these loaves individual sized or sized for a whole family or slice and eat. Put filling in the center and then fold over to make a pocket or a shape however you want. Seal with some water. Cut or poke a few small slits. If you are lucky enough to have an egg, you can brush it on the outside of the loaf to get a golden brown crisp crust. Allow to rise for 30 to 60 minutes and bake. I use an oven set to 350 degrees Fahrenheit and take out the loaf when golden brown. It takes an hour or a little more. It really depends on how big the loaf you make. And basically, if you've ever had like a hot pocket that is filled with so much junk and sodium and, and they're not, I mean, they're quick and fast and easy and microwavable. Basically, that's kind of what this looks like. Maybe a bigger version of that. All right. So moving on. Tortillas for beans and rice and other sources of the border, sorry, and other south of the border recipes. Tortillas are simple to make. All you need is flour, oil, water, and salt. That means all those beans and rice combined with some spices and powdered cheese for sauce can be made into some great Mexican dishes in a little time. The basic flour tortillas recipe is one cup flour, two tablespoons oil or fat of your choice, water and salt to taste. Combine dry ingredients and oil, then add enough water to make a soft but not sticky dough. Knead for five minutes and let rest for five, 15 minutes. Roll out to whatever size you want, then to, then, be, then to be and then fry in a lightly oiled pan on medium heat, flipping once. You can flip more if needed. It can be hard to gauge cooking times well, well when you're using heat sources like wood fire or camp stoves. Now, just, uh, I want to let you know that uh, when you do make them, uh, some people do fry them in light oiled pans. I know that we don't. Now, of course, we rarely, rarely make homemade tortillas, but when you do, you know, we don't do the, we have a, uh, just a stovetop, uh, man, that, you know, it, it is um, a cast iron grill, basically, is what it is, but it's a flat grill, and uh, we lay it there and just flip them from there, you know, and so we don't, we don't do it in oil. Um, I think you'll come up with a different, uh, a different type of bread if you, if, you know, other than what you're used to, like when you go to a Mexican restaurant or if you're buying them. There are some places, like I know my, my local grocery store, they have, um, they have, they sell like, a, it looks like a regular flour packet, right? Or not a packet, but a pound, right? A pound of flour that uh, maybe even a little bit larger than that. That already has everything pre-mixed in there for uh, for to make tortillas, and all you do is add water to it. And so that might be something I don't know. I've never really looked at all the ingredients in there. We have used them before, but uh, I wonder if they are you know the the long-term type. Uh, that might be something that you might want to store because making tortillas is easy when it comes to you know wanting to have some kind of bread. The only other thing that I would add to this is you want to have a press, um, a tortilla press. And they're easy, to, easy enough to find sometimes in the grocery store. If you have a bigger grocery store and uh, they have like an international section or even like a Mexican food section or whatever, uh, you might find some of those there. But it basically is where you know, you'll put the, the ball right in the center of it and then you press it down and it just it flattens it out completely for you. So you have a really flat... Uh, you know, tortilla instead of a real thick, you know, uh, thick one. And I don't know if you're substituting this for bread, you might want a really thick one. Uh, but you can buy those out there, uh, and it might be something that you're interested in. Uh, we normally just have, we keep, uh, uh, when we have done it, and like I said, I, it's not something that we do all the time, but uh, when we have, you'll keep uh, some kind of like uh, saran wrap or whatever, or make sure that you're going to, uh, you know, grease the the press so that the 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 flour doesn't stick to it you know when you press it on down uh and you want to be able to get it you know pull it back out and uh, get it onto that grill all right so enough of that moving forward to a prepper pizza basic pizza crust two cups of white flour whole wheat can be used but the crust is a bit too heavy for a lot of people 
one to two tablespoons of yeast. The more you use, the faster the rise generally. Enough water to form a soft dough, salt to taste, two tablespoons of oil or fat. Knead dough and let rise for a few hours in a warm place. Near a wood stove or on top of a warm oven works well. Roll out pizza crust or shape in a greased pan. Allow 10 to 15 minutes, then add toppings. You can poke a few small, small holes or use a dough docker, dough docker if you prefer a more crispy crust. Bake until bubbly and slightly brown. I cook my homemade pizza in a gas oven that has been preheated to 425 degrees Fahrenheit normally. With a wood stove or solar oven, you will have to keep an eye on it because time will vary a bit depending on a variety of factors. For the toppings, now here's where you can get creative. Dried tomato powder, spices, and oil can be combined for a red sauce or you can use oil and herbs by themselves. Dried onions, mushrooms, meats, etc. can all be rehydrated and used. The cheese can be dried cheese or you can mix some cheese powder and water to make a creamy sauce type cheese to add. This is about using what you have. Potatoes au gratin. Augustine Farm sells dried potato slices for a good price that are sealed in a bucket. These are some powdered, there are some powdered sour cream, yogurt, milk, cheese, etc. can be combined to make potatoes au gratin that taste better than the tiny yet pricey boxes you can get at the store during good times. In fact, you may want to start doing this in a way now and save yourself some money on a family favorite macaroni and cheese. This is a classic that keeps the kids happy and you can make variations of it with canned or dried meat that makes it a whole meal. I do this recipe during good times but it's so versatile for proper foods. I use dried cheese powder and powdered buttermilk with a little water to make the cheese sauce then use dry ingredients. Macaroni pasta is cheap to put back. Even at the regular grocery store in my area a five pound bag is seven dollars or so. Dried cheese powder and dried dairy products of your choice and you have a lot of macaroni and cheese that will make you not want to go back to buying the small boxes with a packet of sauce mix included. This can save a lot during good times too and takes up less space than all those boxes in a pantry. Pasta and red sauce. Another easy to make classic. Powdered dried tomato powder seems expensive but it goes a long way when combined with a little bit of your favorite oil or fat and a little meat if you have it. Any pasta you have on hand is good. Spices should also be a part of a prepper pantry. A lot of us don't truly appreciate how much spices can add to our dining experience until we don't have them. While they don't have a lot of calories, I think they are important for preppers to put back. A lot of spices can be bought by the pound for a low cost. I cook every day and sometimes it takes a few years to go through a one pound of some spices. Chicken and dumplings. This is easier than you might think because dumplings are not something that you have to let rise and you can make this dish in one pot. Canned or dried veggies, spices or thickener like a gravy packet or cornstarch, canned or dried chicken. Make a stew like in the basic stew recipe at the beginning of this post. Then flour, water, salt, fat for dumplings. One cup of flour, pinch of salt, two tablespoons of fat or butter if you have it, water, broth or reconstituted milk product. Mix and make a soft dough. Drop into hot chicken and veggies with broth and simmer until bread is cooked. You can also pop it in an oven to brown some on top at the end if you have the ability. So I know everybody has a little bit different chicken and dumplings. Uh, when my mother-in-law makes it, she makes the dumplings. And it didn't talk about that here where uh, you know, you're making them more into like uh, triangles and, and kind of folding them over and dropping them in there. So uh, I know everybody has a different way of doing that. But again, it, the, the, um, the beauty of this recipe uh, is that they're easy to make and you can you know, do this uh, if you need to, even in a crisis situation. So practice your recipes now. Getting better at cooking with prepper foods is something that might be worth it to practice. Dried foods take some time to get used to cooking with. A lot of people are not used to cooking a lot anymore. So getting some time in it is a good thing. This also gives you a chance to try out some recipes on your own family during good times so you can get an honest opinion and make any improvements you can. Good food improves morale during hard times and gives everyone something to look forward to. If there is more than one person that cooks in the family, then get them involved too. This is a good opportunity to start teaching kids about cooking or cooking under less than ideal circumstances. All right, 
uh, a few more uh, recipes here, or one more recipe. Cream of whatever you have soup. I am going to give you the general guidelines for making cream soup. Cream of potato, mushroom, or chicken is quite easy to do with dried and canned foods. Here's what you need to make a variety of creamed soup. Dried potato flakes. Spices. I like the dried low-sodium vegetable broth from Frontier Co-op for a base flavor. Powdered milk, cream, or other dairy. Dried mushrooms. Dried or canned vegetables. Canned or dried chicken. For your base, you will want to use either potato flakes, powdered dairy, or possibly both. Add water to get the consistency you want. If you are adding dried veggies or meats, then you may want to simmer them in some water and then add your thicker ingredients like potato flakes. This is a, there is a ton of room for experimentation with this recipe. Dried cheese powder can add some extra calories and flavor if you have it. You can even use this cream base as starter for chicken and dumplings if you want. So if you make too much soup, then turn it into something else for your next meal. It is certainly better than wasting it. Substitutions are great, but here are some tips. While I have given you some information to go on, my ingredients are pretty basic and you can substitute a lot of things if you have something similar but not quite what I, used, what I said to use. Here are some examples. Powdered milk, yogurt, and sour cream can be used as substitutes for one another. Cornstarch or flour can be used as a thickening agent. Just put the dry flour or cornstarch in some cold or tepid water and stir until smooth before adding to dishes. Cooking fats can be substituted in most cases with the exception of frying. Some oils and fats have a lower smoke point than others. I've never had any luck using olive oil for trying to fry potatoes to a crispy state, but grapeseed oil, peanut oil, or lard does just fine. Pie crusts made from lard, flour, salt, and a little water are really good. You really don't need butter to make a flaky crust if you have lard. Flours are tricky to substitute and get the right texture. The recipes above use unbleached white flour. If you want to add in wheat or other grains, then just be aware that the more heavy grains you add, the heavier the texture. This is why when doing pizza crust or similar, a lot of people will use half white and half wheat as much for their crust. Any more whole wheat and the crust can just seem too heavy. Gluten-free flours or another tricky cooking skill is an is another tricky cooking skill to master. One of our close friends and neighbors eats a gluten-free diet, so I have learned to cook some things without wheat, but when it comes to baking, I usually just buy the gluten-free baking mixes that you can just that you can just use like regular flour. For SHTF, you may want to mix up your own mix and vacuum seal it for easy use. All right, so share your own recipes with us and if you have the recipes to share, uh uh, please comment below. So again, like I said, there are uh, comments here and some questions about uh, uh, amounts and ingredients and things like that that were clarified. But you can go check that out. Uh, links to it. You know, one of the things is is uh, you know, oil is going to be an issue for long-term food stores. You got to find that um, you got to find that substitute. You got to find what you're able to do. And of course, I guess if you are uh, if if you are in an SHTF scenario and you are out maybe where you can do some hunting and stuff like that, you would try to process as much fat as you could and uh, and use that. But that is something that is going to be uh, an issue. And then again, cooking with uh, wheat. A lot of people store wheat. You know, uh, when you go back to thinking about, uh, I don't know why. Well, I know why. Uh, and I'll talk a little bit about it later on this week. Uh, I was thinking about uh, the first book that I read by James Wesley Ross, Survivors, and uh, they had stored, you know, in the book, this, it's a dystopian novel, and if you've never read it, you really do need to read it. It's one of the uh, the best ones out there. It's the one that kind of like everyone talked about at the beginning when I got into preparedness. Um, the, the, the characters in that story stored like years and years and years of wheat berries, which you can use in so many different ways. But, you know, a lot of people store wheat berries, but there is certain things that you, and first of all, you need to be able to grind them. Uh, you, you have to store them as wheat berries. So if you wanted to use them as flour, you'd have to take the time to grind it down. But then you have the issue of wheat flour being as thick like she was talking about here in this article. So, um, you know, you need to consider that, uh, knowing that uh Regular white flour or bleached flour will not last as long as wheat berries will. Wheat berries will last for 
you know, 25 plus years if you store it correctly. Um, white, you know, white flour will not last that long at, at all. So you got to really think about that. And, uh, and that's one reason why we, you want to rotate out, you know, food and you want to be able to, you know, first in, first out. Uh, if you've ever heard that, uh, and that idea for those of you that are new, cause I know we have a, a lot of new preppers listening, uh, a lot of new people listening to, uh, to the podcast. Uh, you want to, uh, you, the first in first out idea is the things that you put in first uh, into your pantry are the things that are going to be used first, right? And so whenever you get something else to uh, to replace it, it always goes to the back of the pantry. So some people put uh, put together uh, like a, a can storage system where you can put the cans at the top, and the, and that way you just you're grabbing from the bottom, and so it creates this little cycle thing for you. Uh, but some people just you know just move things forward and put things to the back and and uh, that's how they do their first in first out to make sure you're 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 using your food and it doesn't expire all right so again that's over at backdoorsurvival.com uh, and the title of that one is best prepper recipe ideas what to do with stockpiled food all right our next article comes to us from the economic collapse blog.com uh, that's michael snyder's blog uh, and the title of the article is, This is What a Pre-Crash Market Looks Like. Now, um, Michael, Michael's blog, theeconomiccollapseblog.com, is one of the first ones that I ever really started going to when I was in preparedness because I, you know, uh, on top of all the things that uh, really got my attention, and I, I've talked a little bit about, well, I don't know if I've talked specifically about my the whole reason for getting into preparedness, but... Uh, you know, one of the things that were, was for me with that, you know, was kind of I was keeping an eye out on uh, was the the economic situation and, and the finances and uh, what, you know, what this country, all the debt that we had. And so his uh, his website was one of the first ones that kind of popped up for me and that I started really reading in his articles. Uh, what I like is a lot of the times is he's just kind of linking to other people and he's uh He's just kind of commenting on what other people are saying. And so it's not a lot of opinion. He's just not coming from, uh, he's trying to back it up, right? He's trying to back it up with sources. And a lot of people will say, hey, Michael, you, you're just like, a, you know, you're all about doom, doom and gloom. And, uh, you know, it's, it's all about this is going to happen. And, um, you know, it, it, nothing ever happens, right? You know, it, this is something to be looking out for. Like, you know, he's, he's talked about different things. Like, this is something to be paying attention to. And then nothing ever happens. So some people are like, man, you're just like, you're chicken little, right? Well, the reason that I'm reading this one, I still think the economy is in shambles. And um, so the thing is, is that whatever, if there was ever a crisis, a big major nationwide crisis, it's going to lead to an economic collapse automatically. But then you can, so you'll have that on top of, you know, whatever the crisis is on top of a collapse. But then you can also just have a collapse. You know, you can have the economic issues just starting to, to go downhill. And one of the reasons why I'm bringing this one up here today is because last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago, I brought up an article. Uh, I didn't read it, but um, we did link to it on Prepper website, and I linked to it on uh, the podcast on the show notes. is by Martin Armstrong, and um, who runs Armstrong Economics. And the title of that one was The ECM Turning Point Here in November. Now, so the ECM stands for Economic Confidence Model. And uh, just going and, and looking at it, you know, just a quick little definition uh, off of Wikipedia is uh, the economic confidence model. Armstrong's economic confidence model is an economic cycle theory that proposes that economic waves occur every 8.6 years or 3,141 3, 3, days. And that's, the, that's pi. You'll, you know, I think I've referred to that before. Uh, 3,141 3, days, which is approximately... At the end of each cycle is a crisis after which the economic climate improves until the next 8.6 years crisis. And now the reason, I'm, again, that I'm saying that is because on um, Martin Armstrong's blog, he's saying that this week, right? Uh, so the, it's 2018.89, and you know I've talked a little bit about, I actually wrote an article on how to figure out those dates. But uh, he, he does a good job like explaining it here. Uh, 2018.89 is November 21st, 2018. So that's Tuesday, right? 
the, the day that I'm doing my information video on Facebook Live, um, he says that that's the beginning of a downturn of the economic confidence model. And uh, a lot of people don't, you know, it's like, wow, what, what is that? And so, um, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I was looking at the wrong, wrong date, uh, November 24th to 25th. So that puts it at, uh, that's right, I talked about this, that puts it at uh, a little bit later in the week, right? So November 24th to 25th. Uh, is uh, 2017.9. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So let me go back to that. So 2017.9, November 24th to 25th of 2017. So we're going to have a drop of the economic confidence model. It's going to go down to about uh, sometime in July of 2018. Then it's going to go up for a couple of months, and then it's going to drop severely for, uh, for a while until we get to January 2020. All right? So this e economic confidence model, uh, according to Armstrong, is saying, Martin Armstrong, uh, so this week there should be a drop in the economic confidence uh, that is going to go till July of 2018. Then it's going to rise, go up till November, uh, again, of this, you know, around this time uh, next year, and then it's going to drop until January 2020. And so he's talked a little bit about understanding the ECM and uh, so I wanted to um, I wanted to to read just a little bit here. It says the primary mistake many make with the economic confidence model is assuming it should be a perfect model for the stock market, gold, or other markets. It is a global model and does not track any individual market. It is tracking the phenomenon of international capital flows. There is a shift back and forth between public and private investment trends. For example, the wave that peaked in 1929 was a private wave where people had great confidence in the private sector. When the crash came, we turned toward the government creating a more conservative wave of public investment where bonds do better than stocks. And so one of the things that he was saying is you can't count on this, like you can't look at when you say there's going to be a downturn starting this week, you can't say, okay, that's going to be stocks. He's saying it's a confidence in capital flows where people put their trust in, where their confidence is in. And so, we, you know, it's, it's kind of important to see what, what's going to be happening here. You know, what, what might happen and what that uh, has to do. Because if people start losing confidence in the government, well, then, of course, money starts going flowing towards uh, the private sector. But then what does that mean for the government? You know, what, what does the government do in response to that? Uh, maybe they start ratcheting up taxes. Maybe they start finding every little thing. They go after money like crazy. Maybe they want to go after and uh, you know, cash. And like, hey, we don't want you to operate in cash anymore because we can't trace those. We want to be able to trace everything digitally. And so we start t pulling away from uh, you know the cash that you can have. And so um, for preppers, I think this is very important that we just kind of keep our – we don't let it – totally engulf us to where we freak out and we're, we're sitting in the corner sucking our thumb in a fetal position waiting for the economy to crash or waiting for you know the world to crash it is something that we keep our eyes open and so you know maybe you know Martin has been right a lot of the times on, on different things but he's looking at a global scale he's not just looking at uh, America but we know now that we're so intertwined our financial system and, and our systems are so intertwined globally that what happens in one uh, part of the world can affect us over here uh, eventually it, it gets to us and so I wanted to bring all that up while I read this next article and kind of just get us thinking um, and looking and paying attention for this week and see if there's something that kind of starts hitting around to the 24th and 25th like hey okay it's the confidence uh, what what that might look like, and so uh, one of the things that he he talked about, I wanted to I want to make sure that I bring this up too, is uh, when the economic confidence model, uh, when it when it partners with another downturn in another uh, in a, in another segment uh, of of things that we that we track, then it starts to, it feels like the crisis is more severe. And so this economic downturn that we might feel this time around uh, that's going to July might not 
this economic confidence model that we that we see this downturn go into July might not be a very very big one, uh, but it might not it might not uh, you know attach itself to to something else, but it might be the next one around. That's why the next one is so much longer, and so I'm going to link to. Uh, again, in case you missed it the first time around, just because I want to, I want you to see the chart and I want you to be able to read this one. Uh, the economic confidence model, the, I'm going to link to the ECM turning point here in November. And I'm also going to link to the article, Understanding the ECM. And uh, I'll put that in the show notes so you can go check that out uh, you know, for this podcast. But let's go ahead and read uh, this one by Mark, Michael Schneider from the Economic Collapse blog. This is what a pre-crash market looks like. The only other time in our history when stock prices have been this high relative to earnings, a horrifying stock market crash has always followed. Will things be different for us this time? We shall see, but without a doubt, this is what a pre-crash market looks like. This current bubble has been based on irrational euphoria that has been fueled by relentless central bank intervention. But now global central banks are removing the artificial life support in unison. Meanwhile, the real economy continues to stumble along very unevenly. This is the longest that the U.S. has ever gone without a, without a year in which the economy grew by at least 3%. And many believe that the next recession is very close. Stock prices cannot stay completely disconnected from economic reality forever. And once the bubble bursts, the pain is going to be unlike anything that we have ever seen before. If you think these ridiculously absurd stock prices are sustainable, there is something that I would like for you to consider. The only time in our history, history when these cyclic cyclically adjusted return on stocks has been lower, a nightmarish stock market crash happened soon after. Quote, the Nobel laureate Robert Schiller d developed the cyclically adjusted price earnings ratio, the so-called CAPE, to assess whether stocks are likely to be over or undervalued. It is possible to invert this measure to obtain a cyclically adjusted earning yield, which allows one to measure prospective real returns. If one does this, the answer for the U.S. is that the cyclically adjusted return is now down to 3.4%. The only time it has been still lower were in 1929 and between 1997 and 2001, the two biggest stock market bubbles since, 19, since 1880. We now know what happened then. It, is it going to be different this time? End quote. Since the market bottomed out in early 2009, the S&P 500 has been on a historic run. If this rally has been based on a booming economy, that would be one thing. But the truth is that the U.S. economy has not seen 3% yearly growth since the middle of the Bush administration. Instead, this insane bubble has been almost entirely fueled by central bank manipulation, and now that manipulation is being dramatically scaled back. And the guys on Wall Street know what is coming. For example, Joe Zittle says that this bull market is now in the ninth inning. Quote, Joe Zittle of Richard Bernstein Advisors is arguing that the bull market has entered the bottom of the ninth inning. There is a late cycle environment, or this is a late cycle environment, Zittle said on CN CNBC's Future Now recently. In, in inning terms, there's not time... They're not time dependent. An inning could be shorter or they could be longer. It just really depends, the strategist said. End quote. This bubble has lasted for much longer than it ever should have, and everyone understands that a day of reckoning is coming. In fact, earlier today I came across an article in Zero Hedge that contained an absolutely remarkable quote from Eric Peters. Quote, we are investing as if 1987 will happen tomorrow because it will, says the CIO, but we need to be long or we'll be out of business, he explained, under pressure to perform. So we construct option trades that are binary bets, which pay X profit if stock rally and cost Y if markets fall. No more and no less. What do you not want what you do not want is a portfolio whose losses multiply depending on the severity of a decline. That's what most people have today. At the last stage of the cycle, you want lots of binary bets, many small wins, before the big loss. Are we at the start of the end of the don't-know-what-I'm-buying cycle? Asked the same CIO. No one knows, but we're definitely within it. 
when their complex swaps drop 40% and prime brokers demand more margin, investors will cry it's not possible. But anything is possible. The prime brokers will hang up and stop them out. End quote. In case you don't remember, in 1987, we witnessed the largest one-day percentage decline in U.S. stock market history. When it finally happens, millions upon millions of ordinary Americans will be completely shocked, but most insiders know that the other shoe is going to drop at some point. In particular, watch financial stocks prices very closely. Last month, Richard Bove issued a chilly, chilling warning about bank stocks. Quote, One of Wall Street's most vocal bank analysts is troubled by the rally in financials. The vertical group's Richard Bove warns that the overall market is just as dangerous as the late 1990s and he cites momentum, not fundamentals, as what's driving bank stocks to all-time highs. If we don't get some event in the economy or in politics or in somewhere that is going to create more loan volume and better margins for the banks, then yes, they would come crashing down, Bove said Monday on CNBC's Trading Nation. I think that the risk in these stocks is very high at the present time. End quote. It isn't going to take much to set off an unstoppable chain of events. Our financial markets are even more vulnerable than they were in 2008, and, that, and the right trigger can unleash a crisis unlike anything we have ever seen in modern American history. Unfortunately, most Americans keep getting fooled by the artificial boom and bust cycles that the central banks create. Right now, most people seem to have been lulled into a false sense of security and, the tru and they truly believe that everything is going to be okay. But every time before when the mar market has looked like this is a crash has always followed and this time will be no exception. Alright, so guys, remember if you're in Idaho, uh, Michael is running for, uh, he's a Republican candidate for Congress. Uh, in, in, for Congress in Idaho's first congressional district. So if you're in Idaho, you definitely want to uh, consider consider him. Uh, you know, for those that are running, uh, he really believes that you know he, you get in there and try to change as much as possible. That there is a possibility to change uh, what's happening in you know in America and in you know in politics. So, um, again, one of the reasons, again, that I'm bringing this up, you know, a lot of you might say, Todd, I don't have anything in the stock market. I, what, what does that matter? What does that care? The, the issue is that if there is economic crisis, it's going to affect all of us regardless if you have money in the stock market or if you don't. Uh, prices will go up. Things will, things will become crazy. And so when you look at things like, uh, you know, Venezuela, and Venezuela is just... Uh, you know, they've been on a slow decline for a very, very long time. Uh, their government has defaulted on, they pretty much bankrupted, uh, bankrupt because they defaulted on loans. They weren't able to pay for those. And we're talking about billions of dollars. And so you have creditors who are out. And so, you know, no one wants to loan them any money. And uh, the guy who's in there, of course, he's, he's eat, all the people that are wealthy, they're okay. They're eating well. They're, they're okay. But all the, the rest of the regular common people are suffering. Uh, suffering. We've talked about that before. Um, uh, people are having to do things to, uh, you know, people with doctor degrees uh, are have, having to do things uh, like, uh, I, mean, I just don't even want to talk about it, but you can just imagine good, doing things to, to be able to have enough money to, to bring home some food. And uh, that's, just, that's just where they're at right now. We don't ever want to get that way. That's why we prep. That's why we prepare. That's why we make sure that we, uh, we have uh, our finances in order. You don't want to be getting, I know we're going into the Christmas season and all that kind of stuff. You don't want to go, be going into a bunch of debt. You want to try to pay off you know, your, your debt as much as possible. And uh, you know, try to you know uh, cut costs as much as possible, and uh, you know again build up your supplies, your food, whatever you buy now. You know, in, in all of you that are listening, so whether you are in preparedness or whether you just came and you just recently started listening to the podcast, you know that when you go to the grocery store and you go buy something, that it is not you are not coming out of that grocery store with uh, what you used to come out with. You know, as it's crazy. Now I go and I can get two or three of those little plastic bags and I'm paying $100 easily. And I'm not shopping at big, you know, foo-foo stores, man. I'm, I'm shopping at the regular, you know, your regular grocery stores. And uh, so anyway, everybody knows that. And so any food that you buy now, any food storage that you add right now, that that is going to just be, it's cheaper now than it will be a little bit later on. 
And uh, but again, that's why we prep. You know, the world is crazy. The, you know, the crisis uh, can, can always happen, and we're not always just preparing for the big natural disasters and the big man-made disasters and the big, you know, whatever whatever is coming. You know, from uh, EMP and solar flare. You know, economic crisis can definitely happen, and there's a lot of people that are you. You might be in a crisis right now. You might have lost your job going into the holiday season. You might, uh, you might have, you might be out of work for a while. And some of you know, I've heard tons of stories throughout the years where people were able to survive. That people didn't go bankrupt. That people didn't lose their their house and their life savings because uh, you know they had food storage you know uh, put behind uh, you know in their pantries. And so anyway. Uh, it's definitely something to keep aware. When I say, you know, stay prepped and aware, I'm keeping my eyes open to what's going on there because things that happen out there in the world do affect us, will come down and affect us in one way or, or the other. And that's, that's one reason why we practice to mitigate those issues that, that happen and they, they come after, uh, that, that come after a crisis, that we're able to handle that because we all have families. We all have loved ones that are counting on us, and we want to make sure that uh, you know that we are here, we are there for them, and we do the best for them. Uh, even if your family doesn't prep or whatever, uh, if there was a situation and you could deal, uh, you could use your preps. They would definitely, definitely be uh, grateful for that. So anyway, that's over at theeconomiccollapseblog.com. There's a lot of there's a lot of links as always. Uh, Michael links to a bunch of stuff there. Uh, and there's just there's been a lot of financial things I've seen lately, so you can kind of keep your eyes open on that. And uh, like I said, I'll bring out more things. I don't want I don't always like to be the doom and gloom thing, you know. I don't always like to do that, but I think we need to stay aware of everything that's going on. So, hey guys, don't forget uh, tomorrow uh, Facebook Live. If you can be there, man, that'd be great. I'm probably going to get in there just a little bit earlier than seven o'clock. And uh, just kind of start it out. Just make sure that I'm good and comfortable, and and uh, you know feel like we're ready to go. And so uh, I'm really excited about that. Looking forward to connecting with uh, a lot of people on Facebook Live. And if for some reason you're traveling uh, at that time and you're not able to make it, uh, you can know that it, it will be recorded, and so you can check that out, uh, you know, later on. But I'd love for you to be part of uh, part of the Facebook Live. Might have some questions that I ask the audience and see uh, see how that goes. Uh, that'll be again. It'll be my really my first time doing something like that, so uh, kind of excited. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, kind of excited about <laughs> about doing that and uh, seeing where that goes. And if it goes well, maybe we'll do more in the future uh, in in that in scenario, looking to use Facebook Live and uh, whatever uh, to be able to connect with you guys. All right, uh, that's it for episode 194. Uh, guys, if you are, again, if you are traveling out there, please be safe, be careful. Um, you know, get, uh, get to your families uh, and to your friends safely. And, uh, you know, have a great Thanksgiving. If this is the only podcast you listen to this week, uh, definitely want to make sure that you have a good Thanksgiving uh, because I know how things happen when the holidays get going. It, it gets crazy. Uh, and those of you that will be with me all week long, we will be here uh, all week long and uh, looking forward to uh, another week of, uh, of the podcast. So, hey, guys, don't forget that if you'd like to drop me a line, you can come over to episode 194 at theprepperwebsitepodcast.com and uh, drop me a line there. Uh, also, I appreciate it if you share out the, the episode. We make it very easy for you on the website. And then also, don't forget, you can connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or in the Facebook group. You can get to that from the website as well, or the show notes if you have that uh, on your podcast catcher. With that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government, grid, or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.